And so now you see Apple and Microsoft in one camp and Amazon, Google, and Meta, Facebook, and the other. And three of those, they sell their users and three of them sell to their users. And so it allows for a much more ethical business model when your users are also your customers. Jerry Simpson is one of the leading innovators in the artificial intelligence world. The CEO of Atlas Up, Jerry's AI company is designed around your work life. You'll be able to ask his AI bot to make you a presentation using last year's sales figures or find out all the tasks that fall underneath the launch project or simply ask, who's working today? As an AI entrepreneur who's actually putting AI to work in our daily lives, we wanted to check in with Jerry on what artificial intelligence and chat GPT mean now that it has been unleashed on all of our lives. Welcome to What I See, the podcast where we uncover the stories of visionaries, innovators, and entrepreneurs. Join us as we explore the big ideas and challenges shaping our future. And now our hosts, Mark O'Donnell and Lewis Schiff. Hey, Mark. Happy, happy Friday. Happy Friday, Lewis. Good to be back here on our Friday tradition that's becoming uh, something to look forward to. Pretty much after this ends. Right. I know. For a whole week, we have to, we have one week to think about how to be relevant. Right. Which is really difficult to do almost all the time. <laughs> kind of nerve wracking, actually. I'm like, I have an hour set aside on Monday, which is called podcast brainstorming, but it's actually, how can I be relevant? Right. And my kids continuously tell me that I'm not. <laughs> like on a regular basis, my 19, 16, and 11 year old, you know, they, Tell me well, I'm not relevant at all. I have no doubt that they listen to every one of these podcasts from beginning to end as soon as they are published. <laughs> I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. We are very lucky to have a really exciting guest today named Jerry Simpson from a company called Atlas Up. And we're going to bring him on in a few minutes. But we are doing today the sort of obligatory AI conversation that every podcaster everywhere must do. Because this thing is such a game changer, certainly the totally uh, normalized and accessible version that's now called chat GPT, like just gives everyone with an internet connection everywhere a chance to finally see what this thing called AI really is. And everybody everywhere is talking about it. They totally are. I mean, this thing came out in November and I can't tell you how many YouTube videos, blog posts, podcasts, just like this one, companies, I use Todoist. I've been a Todoist user for... Oh, I love Todoist. Uh, it's awesome. So yeah. did you add the ChatGPT add-in? No, I, I'm off Todoist at the moment because they weren't doing some things I liked. But this is actually a few years now. But now that you've said that, I'll definitely go back and check it out. You can just put a goal in there and, and right-click it and say, put it to the bot and it breaks down your annual goal into quarterly sprints. And then you can take that quarterly goal and say, break this down for me even further. And then you could say, I have no idea how to do this. Can you help me more? <laughs> wow. And it just, it just lists out all your to-do. I mean, the explosion of uses for this in such a short amount of time can really be eye-opening. For entrepreneurs, I think it's, it's fantastic. It re represents opportunity. But I think also that you have a huge number of people that are scared to death. They, they don't want this at all. I don't know why it reminds me of this, but I remember, and this sometimes history becomes so easily forgotten, but I remember when the iPad came out and I remember people saying, 
I never really needed a tablet. I've got a laptop and I've got a smartphone. What do I need this third thing for called a tablet? And then it came out and then everyone started using it right away. And it was like, mm -hmm. I didn't know I needed it, but now I need it. I feel like this thing with AI and chat GPT is very similar. Yeah. I mean, all throughout history, we see new technologies and innovations scare the bejesus out of people and it turns out okay and, and human ingenuity takes over i live right outside of philadelphia in a, a place called redding pennsylvania which is known for the monopoly board you know the redding railroad and it which really is interesting because part of the new deal was creating highways all throughout the united states and redding pennsylvania is one of the very few towns in the entire country, because it was a population of about 100,000 or so back in, in those days. And they decided that they would refuse the highway because they wanted to save the railroad. <laughs> and it essentially killed Reading, Pennsylvania, because there's no major highways that go through the town. And, and they shunned the technology of the automobile <laughs> and yeah. a highway. So funny you say that. I just watched this. Um, actually, this is a Philadelphia institution, Horn and Hard Art Automat, which found its way to New York. And they had like hundreds of these cafeterias in New York and Philadelphia. And people used to eat three meals a day in the city, you know, and then the inner and the interstate system came around. And now and then people start to go home for dinner and they lived, you know, in the suburbs. And so mm -hmm. it sort of traced the decline of the Automat. But and I learned that the Automat had like 50 patents in terms of how they delivered food to people. So not quite AI, but I mean, just innovation that changes how everything is done. And I, I want to ask you, Mark, do you think all the talk about AI, you know, sometimes these things burst out and then they kind of fade a little bit, almost like, I don't want to say about Bitcoin exactly, but, you know, everyone thought crypto was the next big thing. And then it's a little mm. quieter now. Do you think AI is one of those things where it's, we're going to talk about it a lot and then it'll fade into memory or it's just going to keep having a huge impact on our lives? I think this one is here to stay and I think it's going to have a huge impact for all of our futures. And the reason I think that in contrast to the hype cycle of, of blockchain and crypto, crypto less so, but with blockchain, the, the person off the street is not going to be able to understand or receive any value from the blockchain in their daily lives at all. High school kids aren't saying, oh, I'm going to use blockchain today to do something. No, of mm -hmm. course not. It has relatively no use for the common person on the street. Yeah. Contrast that with chat GPT and I can do my homework. I can outline a podcast. I can ask it ridiculous questions and it'll give me uh, fun responses. And so it's a toy. It's a useful and it's immediately impactful to how I work. Yeah. And uh, there are all these sort of, um, I don't know, ethical or whatever category you want to put them on about, you know, what happens if we have a second brain and in this case, an artificial brain helping us get things done. Obviously, with children and homework, it's a big deal. Create some new ethical boundaries. But when we bring on uh, Jerry, let's, we'll, we'll bring him on in, in a second. He's really using it to solve real problems for real businesses. And there's some, I think what we want to, we can talk about anything we want, but what we want to focus on is the incredibly practical implications for entrepreneurs and for businesses with the introduction of AI. And also, I think Jerry knows a lot about the future of AI. We kind of know about the current, the present of AI. I think he's been working on the future of it. So with that, let's bring on Jerry Simpson from Atlas Up. Jerry, would you come on and join us? 
Hey guys, what's going on? It's good to be here. It's good to see your faces. So Jerry, we're in. Uh, we got Philadelphia represented. We got New York City in the house. Where are you? Los Angeles, California, the greatest city in the world. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I've only been a, here three years, and I already claim it to be the greatest. I was just city gonna say, you're like a, you're like a you're a carpet bagger, man. You just got there. <laughs> it's always nice. Yeah. Well, it is not nice here right now, so it's probably not nice in New York either, Louis. <laughs> yeah. no, it's pretty cold. Yeah. So, Jerry, there's a lot to cover. We don't have a lot of time. But we really want to dive right into it. I was going to pick up on Mark's top conversation about blockchain and talk about what happened to us in Davos, but let's see if we can tack that on at the end. <laughs> um, That's a phone. I'll just say real quick to that. I mean, I think Mark hit the nail on the head. I was listening in the waiting room and, you know, you think about Web 2.0 and the mobile revolution, like immediately people understood why this mobile computer that could do all these things that BlackBerry couldn't do was going to be a, like a useful thing to them. Every user knew that. And with blockchain, it's very hard to understand why an immutable ledger is going to be this amazing thing for me. And with AI, these already early applications, people are, are seeing you know, immediate result to say, oh my gosh, as the end user, I could get something out of this. And so I think that those, that's a really great way to illustrate when you look at other big moments, uh, big kind of revolutions in tech. And I also do think of AI as a new interface, the way the mobile phone was with technology, with information. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So now give us some background, Jerry, of what Atlas Up is. And of course, in the context of this conversation about artificial intelligence. Yeah, sure. So we started Atlas Up three years ago. It bugs me that for three years, I've been trying to get people to bring me on podcasts talking about AI. And now, you know, it was like, ring no answer. And now everyone's like, hey, can you fit it in? But <laughs> you guys are, are my favorite. So of course, I make extra time for you. The um, Now everybody wants to talk about it. What we're doing is very much like ChatGPT, except ChatGPT only knows about public information. It's pulling everything off the web. It knows about publicly traded companies and things like that. It doesn't know all of the inner workings of your business. And so you couldn't ask ChatGPT. In fact, the way we're advertising right now is we ask ChatGPT, you know, what is my revenue forecasted to be next quarter if I lose my oil and gas customers? And it responds, I don't know. I don't know anything about your company. And then we ask Atlas Up and Atlas Up does know all that information because it's plugged into all your data systems and it can answer those things for you. What's really funny though is like, it's the silliest little things like, how, who's working today? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that I'm embarrassed to say, I don't know, we're a remote company and things like that. Or people ask me, when does payroll? They ask me instead of HR, when's, when's our next paycheck? And, and I don't actually know. <laughs> and I, I ask Atlas Up, Hey, when do we get paid next? 31st, there's the whole policy and all these things. And so, you know, it plugs into your sales systems, your HR systems, your project systems, uh, all of those things, aggregates that information. So just imagine if you could, add, if ChatGPT had access to all that information, the kinds of answers it could give you and the kinds of illustrations it could give you. And it's really just meant to keep people moving faster that they're not interrupting other people asking those questions all day. It also can do work for you. Yeah. So what's, what's super cool is think about all the forms you have to do. Now you can just give it a copy of your old crappy form, excuse my language, and it, and say, hey, I want this filled out. And it knows all this information about your company and it will just spit it right back out. You can do the same thing with presentations and say, you know, I have to pitch or I have to give an investor update next week. Can you put together a deck that includes our key hires, our ARR, kind of what we spent the money on, four of our coolest new features in that order. And then you just keep 
converse, you know, you just keep telling it. No, just like you would tell, I'm terrible at making decks. So I always tell somebody else, I just go back and forth with them. You go back and forth with the AI and say, like, I don't like this theme. Can we go with a lighter theme? And I'm not that crazy about those words now that I see them. Can you change it? And so it's very much just like working with somebody else, except for me, when I'm, you know, when my business brain is going nuts at like two in the morning and nobody's working, the AI is still, still awake. Right. And That's- the AI is still working. <laughs> I mean, right. that's, that's so profound. The idea that you've got a 24 hour workforce, it's, that's beyond profound when you think about things. Okay. Let me give you this example, Jerry, and try and give me the real, real answer. I just had someone in my office duplicate the budget from a project we did last year. I said, mm-hmm. but you know, basically let's start up by increasing prices by 15% because everything's more uh-huh. expensive this year. So that person is right now going through a spreadsheet line by line and, and basically increasing everything by 15%. What would Atlas up do for me there? Yeah, I mean, so it's going to be able to do those calculations, you know, instant fast for you. In fact, the example that I was just using to uh, we're raising money right now and I was illustrating to an investor the kind of combination of public data and your internal data. And I said, you know, what if we were able to sell a license to 5% of our biggest customer this quarter? And so and it said your biggest customer is Caterpillar. Caterpillar's got 90,000 employees. 5% is this. Your pricing is that with both this. That would change your revenue to that. Boom. And I was like, oh, I mean, for a technophile, and a business, you know, a serial entrepreneur, like these are the things I get. I feel so disempowered because I have to ask everybody else for these things all day long and not having to ask somebody else for that information. Because even when I'm asking questions, sometimes I'm giving away my thought process to the rest of the team. And I don't always want to give away my thought process just yet to the rest of the team. What is he thinking? What is he doing? What are the moves he's contemplating? They can kind of derive them from your ants, from your questions. And uh, the AI is uh, awkwardly insensitive about these things. <laughs> it is. And Jerry, when I think hear you talk about that, what comes to me is, as I was looking into and experimenting with ChatGPT is that really you are asking all of these really specific, intelligent, meaningful questions to chat GPT. And when when it first started on the scene, I was like, oh, you know, it's the people who can ask the best questions are the people who will get the most out of the prompt, the prompt wizards. Yeah. And then now people have named it a prompt engineer because they kind of picked up on the obvious thing that, that. that I did. But then it also starts to get my son spent a couple hours on a weekend and he created an entire iOS app just using chat GPT, writing writing all the code. And he was just asking really obvious questions to a 16 year old. Hey, make this application visually appealing and nice looking. Like not many people would even think to ask it in those exact ways or even expect a response, but he totally expected a response Mm -hmm. and he got one. He put it into Xcode and it did exactly. And he's like, I don't like that green, make it the, you know, wow. It's amazing how you can do it in the style. Like, can you make it more in the style of the way Apple does it? Yeah. And like the onion just wrote this hilarious uh, article that was, you know, chat GPT is forced to take the bar, even though it had aspirations of being an AI artist. And I saw that. And the first thing I did was open up chat GPT and ask it to do that in the style of the onion. Like I asked the AI to do the article that the journalist just did. 
And in a second, it wrote a comparable article. But it was amazing that I could just say in the style of the onion. Yeah. So yeah. I, it's cool that your son is picking up on that so fast. And I did the same thing. We're writing a book here at EOS Worldwide. It's going to be the people book. It's a deep dive into strengthening mm-hmm. the people component of your business. And so we had a couple paragraphs that, that we've written. And I said, well, rewrite this in the style of Gina Wickman, who's the, yeah, you know, yeah. the author of all our other books. It rewrites the whole thing. And I said, well, <laughs> just out of curiosity, what is the style of Gina Wickman? It said it's simple, clear, and actionable, which is exactly oh, it. Oh, yeah, that is so it. Yep. It, it, it's cool. just amazing. Just amazing. Okay. So that's your use cases, Jerry, are things like, you know, I need a presentation that does this and I need some sales figures that can do that. And that all sounds amazing and game-changing in and of itself. But other than having a 24-hour worker who's really smart and attentive and attentive to detail, what should we be expecting from AI in the workplace going forward? Yeah, so I think what, you know, GPT-4 is coming out. Sam is being very, Sam Altman, co-founder of OpenAI, co-founder with uh, Elon Musk. He's, you know, my mentor on, him and I are both LPs in a fund. That's how we met and he's mentored me on on all this AI stuff. I think he's trying to set expectations low on GPT-4, but I'm not buying it at all, just based on on what I know. And what I think that you're going to see, especially when you just look at the increases from GPT-2 to 3, 3.5 is what we're on right now. Everybody thinks of it as 3, but it's 3.5. I mean, they're massively exponential increases. And so what, what, I am, what you're going to see is innovation, coming out, you know, actually like, hey, listen, I just don't know what we need to do. This is the problem that we try aspire to solve as a business. And I really don't know what product line we should come up with. And I think you're going to see that it's instead of regurgitating things in a really nice format, it's going to actually be quite innovative and help you brainstorm or at least facilitate human innovation in a higher way and allow this crazy dynamic of human and machine to go back and forth and spitball and this, a lot of times people, you guys are talking about people being afraid. I think about it like a Mustang is a wild horse, but if you can settle and tame it, you've got this really powerful beast that you, you know, you're the king or queen mm-hmm. of. And that's really what I see in the next wave. It will be interesting ethically what happens. You know, if I can comment on that a little bit, you know, the whole reason Sam and Elon created OpenAI is because Elon was really worried about the ethics of AI. Sam was fascinated with AI and worried about the ethics. They thought, let's put a bunch of money in this, get some great backers like Microsoft to be the biggest AI company who actually cares about ethics. And so now you see Google and the big boys in tech, big boys and girls in tech are, you have Amazon, Google, and Meta, Facebook, and the other. And three of those, they sell their users and three of them sell to their users. And so it just allows for a much more ethical business model when your users are also your customers instead of your users of the product. Mm -hmm. And so Google being in the camp of their users are the product, you're seeing that they're having this pressure to get to market faster. And the way to do that presumably is to cut some of the safeguards. That's the concern anyway. So they're going to cut safeguards to get to market faster. And so what I worry about, you'll notice that we call Atlas up, Atlas up. We don't call it Atlas AI. We do not have the domain name Atlas AI. And the, the reason for that is one of the risks I have to manage as a business owner is negative AI sentiment. You think about that a lot like nuclear negative sentiment. Nuclear is a pretty amazing energy technology that mostly got crushed for a few decades mm-hmm. because of some big accidents that generated a lot of negative sentiment. Same thing could happen with AI. And, and I think that that is actually fairly likely to have some very black eye 
incidents in the press that happen, especially as the race comes on. And so with GPT-4 and Google and Amazon coming through, I think you're going to see some very scary things that cause humanity to take big, big pause and kind of a backlash there. And can you expand a little bit on what kinds of things we should be concerned? Like, what are the ethical concerns? I mean, we've most of us have seen Terminator. So, you know, we could go like the machines are taking over and they're killing out humanity. But what are some practical ethical concerns that, that people have? I mean, have? The, first, the first wave of what we're going to see is it's going to show up as, you know, the thing that the public is very in tune to already, which is discrimination, racism, bias. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see that show up in marketing. We're going to see it show up in hiring. We're going to see it show up in evaluating employees. There's going to be, you know, all of these ways that the... You know, it mostly trained on literature that existed out there in the world before Mm -hmm. now. And that is not 10 years old literature. That's hundreds of years of literature. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of bias and discrimination in that literature. So that's what the AI trained on. It's going to have it baked in. And um, it's just going to be part of the retraining it. And I think it will retrain quickly. But you're going to see just some ugly incidents of that that become uh, very public. Who are the as, enemies as a kind of like smaller not terminator? Thing. Who are the enemies of AI? I mean, who wants to slow it down or stop it? Who wants to point out its flaws? What's the point out its flaws? Well, people that make money on low wage labor. Like if your workforce is probably minimum wage or plus $5 on minimum wage and and that's how you make money and your point of leverage has been by being able to leverage that workforce you know, AI is not your friend because you're not a tech company. Right. But it's still on the realm of the digital. I mean, no one's saying AI can lay a brick yet. No. And it's not going to, you know, like truckers, for example, this is, you know, Andrew Yang has been on, you've uh, been talking about this for a long time. You know, it's automation and AI, but, you know, your cashier's completely gone soon. Your Your mm-hmm. truckers, presumably gone in the next seven years. And one of the things that Andrew Yang brings up a lot is you're going to have this huge, massive workforce of truckers who have a loan on a very expensive truck who are suddenly put out of business because they can't drive it 24 seven who are not happy. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's very, very disruptive. Yeah. For a short time. And then all those, the human ingenuity will take over and they'll find their place. And the way I predict that to be is that's where you're really going to see a surge in upskilling because sure. we're going to actually see that there's a deficit and a good investment to be made in upskilling. And just keep it, in mind, Mark, when you say for a short time, I think the two biggest job categories in America are truck drivers and retail workers. So that's a huge, gigantic huge amount of people. And massively, you know, massively, you know, if revolution happens there, the gap between that and the upskilling could be large and it could be a big issue. You know, what it's never like plumbing. AI is not replacing your plumber or your electrician well, anytime times. Wait, wait, wait. Let's say I'm putting on a pair of augmented reality glasses and AI is walking me through how to fix my sink. It could facilitate it. I mean, it could facilitate it. It could give you a lot of information about what inventory you have in your truck without, you know, like it can make a lot of it faster, but, you know, every plumbing job is incredibly different and unique and it really takes this skill. So I, I you know, I still have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, but maybe I'm hiring a, a task rabbit to come over to fix my sure. air conditioner and the, the task rabbit may never really work with air conditioners, but they're just clever mechanical people and the AI helps fill in all the gaps. For sure. Possible, I think that's yeah. definitely plausible. 
and on the upskilling or you yourself instead of you know hiring someone to do it yeah right and, and jerry on the upskilling if you're a college student today and you see into the future of what is coming with ai and we'll call it the human exoskeleton you know it's us on steroids what are you learning what are you making sure oh, that gosh. you can future proof yeah i mean one of the things i've been freaking out about is everyone who's having a panic attack about kids being able to cheat education so i have a mentor a lot of kids in high school college age or whatnot and you know they come to me and like, what do you think about this and i say if your education can be cheated with AI, you are being cheated and you should drop out of this education as fast as possible. Because why would you spend this money and time learning to get a certificate that a computer can get immediately? That mm -hmm. has no value. It just devalued the education system. And you should figure out other ways to be a critical thinker, a problem solver. And I would immediately start using the, like I, my kids are very young and they're six and eight. I got them. Chat GPT, Dolly 2 accounts and everything. It's like, you can spend as much money as you want prompting those things. I need you to have a really tight relationship with how it, it works and learns. Similar to what you're doing with your son. Mm -hmm. I was amazed that my oldest was using, he was prompting Dolly 2 to make cool images, Star Wars and all these things. And they started asking Chat GPT to make the prompts for him. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yep. Chat GPT. And I wouldn't have thought of that. Mm -hmm. You know, like this is my world. And mm -hmm. the same thing you're saying, like, it's a different mind. It's this younger, malleable mind with assumptions pulling up. I would have just thought, I know how to, I know how to prompt this thing. And, and he explained to chat GPT why the picture didn't come out the way he wanted it to. And when he explained that to Dolly too, for some reason that didn't fix it. And chat GPT wrote a much more tighter prompt and he shipped that over to, to Dolly too and got the image exactly as he wanted. So, you know, really understanding when you have a tight relationship with AI, you understand what it can do and what your strengths are. And I think that that's going to be, I mean, and then jumping in on finding these problems. I got my start in computers because this thing called Y2K was coming and everybody was freaking out about Y2K. Mm -hmm. And what I learned was that you didn't have to have any credential at all to be the guy who walked into a building and fixed the Y2K problem. If you could just fix the Y2K problem they had, they would pay you a King's ransom for it. They didn't care you know, mm -hmm. what school you went to or anything else. And so I really jumped on the craze of that and ran around building to building doing about an hour's worth of work and taking 10 grand from every building for it. And, you know, if, there's this huge goldmine opportunity there to just be the most familiar person who understands the beast and isn't scared of it and knows, you know, where do the humans play in? Yeah, yeah. that can go on for a while. I think those are opportunities that last and you have to be willing to keep staying on the cutting edge because it's going to change, you know, very yeah. short increments. As a software developer, I mean, every three years, there's something that, that software developers say, this is going to put us out of business. Mm -hmm. And every year I'm like, no, it's just going to weed out the rookies. You know, it's just going to weed out the people that aren't really thinking, okay, what is the next higher level? I was just going to say, I always had the saying that there's no recession for the capable, which ticks yeah. some people off and has the other half cheering. But now I'm actually going to modify that is that there's no recession for the curious. Yeah. I mean, when you think about the capability to code, well, my son just proved, and he had a little coding knowledge prior, but so he could, he could speak coding, <laughs> mm -hmm. but he was just super curious and same with, with your kid and just being super curious.
I was talking to a lawyer and I said to her, you know, this is going to displace you soon enough. And she said, absolutely not. And I think what she meant was her network connections and the trust she's built up over the years. That's really what she trades on now. But when I said, yeah, but I mean, I mean, you, a 25, 30 year old version of you is in big trouble because lawyers are going to be less important pretty soon. And we all talk about this about other people. For example, radiologists, everything went digital now. So you don't have to be an American radiologist anymore. You could be a radiologist in India and make as much money as you do in America. What about the entrepreneur? What about the visionary and the innovator? Is this role threatened by AI? So I'm open to your criticism of this comment, but one of the things a lot of people think entrepreneurs, business owners, founders are like the hardest working people. And I always think that their success is usually spawned from extreme laziness. Like they didn't want to do something. And so they thought really hard for a minute about how they could not do it. And I think that this is a really similar vein. Like, oh, how could I be more lazy? I'm willing to like think in surges about how I could be more lazy and do less work and oh, I could get rid of so much you know, of these expenses and move faster. And so I think entrepreneurs are gonna constantly use this. I think the framework that entrepreneurs have is so well suited for the future because it's, it's all about adaptability. How can I do more with less? And that's what this is all about. And so I think if they're just kind of running the framework engines that they always do, they'll do great. Again, if your leverage is, if your success is just leveraging people that are in a bad spot, some businesses are built on that. I'm a yeah. little more scared. Well, what if you chat GPT, the, the query is, how do I build the next Berkshire Hathaway? And, you know, it tells you what to do. And there's no real role for you to be that thought, that thought driver. You know, I think you're going to be, it's going to be, because it's still going to be training on like, there's a lot of unoriginality in AI. And so originals, uh, you know, I'll, I'll plug Adam Grant's book, Originals, you know, is a great book to read. Because I think that original thinking is what prevails kind of again and again and again. From my perspective, Lewis and Jerry, I, I do agree with you. What was given to me by one of my coaches is how can I get this done without doing anything? Mm -hmm. How can I get this done by doing as little as humanly possible? And who's the person that can get this done for me? <laughs> it's like a three-step right. process of laziness. And it's not really that we're lazy. We're infinitely curious and we'll do it ourselves if we have to. But I, I think that this is really going to lower the barriers to really curious thinkers who are entrepreneurs in the making. They are visionaries trapped in a job that they don't like for some reason that they can't get out of. And I don't know how to code. I can't learn. I don't know how to code. And so I have this big idea and I can't do it. Well, now I can just go sit at chat GPT on a weekend and I can get a prototype that works. Yeah. I mean, you use AI to make a pitch deck, make a website, make a prototype, make a proof of concept tell you what your seed pitch should be. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, the barriers just go so low for entrepreneurship for anyone anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. Then that overcrowds it, of course. And so, for sure. you know, that's the flip side of this is that, you know, there's only so much capital to be moved around. And, and as you say, AI is sort of uh, fundamentally unoriginal. It's just, it's all derived from things that already exist. Mm -hmm. So not only will be crowded, it'll be crowded with a lot of the same ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jerry, fascinating conversation. So Atlas Up is your service, your tool, your website, atlasup.com. Mm -hmm. And I know that you're very, very close to being uh, to releasing at a wider level. So right now we've been doing all Fortune 500, Global 1000 government customers. 
And in July, we're launching our small business offering. So anybody who wants in on that, just email I'm in at atlasup.com and, uh, and we'll discuss. Very cool. Welcome. All right, Jerry, thanks for joining us today. Thanks yeah, so much. I want to talk about time. chain snipping another time. All right. You got it. One minute. Tell the story. <laughs> tell the story. We're in Davos. We're bored with all the, you know, the jargon. Everybody's spewing the thought of the day. We decided we're going to make up this thing that's the hottest thing going around and tell everybody it's the hottest thing going around. It's called chain snipping. And, you know, when blockchain is decentralized and everything is kind of right and there's no single point of failure, what are you going to do? We're the insurance policy against that. If it goes wrong, we come in and build a back door that actually does take the whole thing down. It's called chain snipping. We just keep telling everybody it's the, it's the hottest thing around. It's the talk does. We're just having fun, having too many drinks in the snow and having a good time. And then I was like, listen, you know, when people confront you with a question, like the journalist, the camera crews or whatnot, and you get backed into a corner that you don't know how to answer, you got to have like a Donald Trump in the thing in the back of your pocket where you something you say when you get backed into a corner. And so we go, listen, you're not listening. You know what's decentralized? ISIS. <laughs> and a hundred percent of the time that made the journalists go, well, yeah, that's true. ISIS is decentralized. And like that just shut down the, the corner backing. And I remember I was talking to this venture capitalist and he's like all into it, wants to invest. And I start laughing and I say, None of this is real. And he goes, don't you ever say that again. <laughs> <laughs> don't you ever say that again. Like we're flying with this thing. Oh my uh, God. That... Fun times in, uh, you know, tobogganing and chain snipping. Yeah, we nice. had some fun times. All right, Jerry. Thanks, thanks so much for joining us. Good chatting thanks, with you guys. This is fun. Take care. Yes, sir. See ya. That is the famous Jerry Simpson. Always at the cutting edge. Awesome. So, Mark, I'm actually, I actually wrote down a whole bunch of things from this that I want to pick up on literally the next half hour. You know, I went to the, the site that you're using Todoist. I want to check that out. Already on the Atlas Up uh, beta list, so I'm looking forward to that as well. And, you know, if you're really bored, you can rewrite your LinkedIn profile in the tone and voice of Dostoevsky and the King James Bible, if you like. There you go. That's a powerful uh, way to spend this weekend. If you're bored and don't have anything better to do. Oh, my God. All right, Mark. Well, uh, any closing thoughts on this uh, highfalutin topic of AI? No, I, I think the reality is that it's exciting times. And if we can think about how to leverage these tools, just like all of our ancestors have leveraged every tool that has come before this one, some stuff will be great. Some stuff won't work at all. And stay okay. curious. All right, but, but just because you said it that way, what about the last one? Stuff, some stuff will be great. Some stuff won't work at all. What yeah. about some stuff will harm? Some stuff will harm. Yeah. Yeah. Some stuff will harm. And as Jerry said, I don't think it'll be Terminator level. I think you're going to have a lot of people pushing back. So even the idea of you you're have all this performance data on every person inside of your organization, and that's such a, an extreme level of accountability that has never existed before in human history. And so that's going to cause a lot of problems when people can no longer hide inside of an organization. Yeah, it's really it's tremendous. Fabulous. All right. Well, Mark, thanks for uh, joining us this weekend also to get some uh, good stuff out of Jerry Simpson. And we're going to see us all back here next week. Awesome. Thanks, Liz. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for listening to another episode of What I See, where we explore the stories of the visionaries shaping our world. 
We hope you found insights and inspiration from our guests. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and continue to be a part of the conversation. See you next time on What I See.